The Lord be with you. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? And they answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people that will produce its fruits. The Gospel of the Lord. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. St. Paul offers this advice in the second reading. We remember, of course, that these are letters to real Christians, to real people, communities of believers, right at the beginning of our faith, speaking to them about their problems and challenges. And here he's speaking about anxiety, the anxiety of the first century, anxiety of Rome and Israel and the household and work and all the normal things, family, that we think about today as well. This is why these letters are so important. We think of them as theological treatises always, and there are a lot of theology in St. Paul. Even St. Peter in his letter says sometimes Paul is difficult to understand. But here, Paul is more clear. And Paul is just speaking to us about what's important for, for the people that he knows and for us, the challenges of anxiety, of concern in life. This is normal. We should have that. We should be concerned. We should be concerned. But what's difficult 
is when it overwhelms us, or we see a world overwhelmed, even when it doesn't overwhelm our hearts. And we want and desire that anxiety be reduced. And the tool that Paul gives, and the greatest tool for us in reducing anxiety, is seeking God. He says in prayer, in petition, and with thanksgiving. And so we know that we must trust in God. When we have these well up in our heart, that's fine. But we must break them, break these emotions or our thoughts upon the rock, which is Christ. And even if we don't have a solution right away, that wave will break there, and the rock, Christ, will still standing, be standing firmly there. St. Francis of Sales, the great doctor of the church, says, do not fear what will happen tomorrow. The same loving Father who cares for you today will care for you tomorrow and every day. Either he will shield you from suffering or he will give you unfailing strength to bear it. Be at peace then and put aside all anxious thoughts and imaginings. What St. Francis Sales does not say, nor any saint says, nor the Lord, I'm going to take all of those anxieties and concerns away. We know they're there daily. And again, not if not in our hearts in the world, after the Our Father, every day at Mass, we pray that the Lord will relieve our distress. And distress is even a greater word than anxiety. Again, these things are present, but we must bring them to Christ. And even if the answer doesn't come right away, the knowledge, the Lord, its presence is there. And this is one of the important elements of prayer, of asking for what we need and giving thanks, the recognition that God is here. You notice here we have from yesterday's procession from the cathedral to St. Boniface Church, the bier with the image of Our Lady of the Rosary on it. Now before I came to serve here about four years ago, I was pastor at Holy Rosary in Portland, Oregon. And like St. Dominic's has a St. Dominic's month in August, so we always had a rosary month in October. And we would preach and unfold and talk about the rosary throughout the month in a special way, acknowledging Our Lady. Uh, and unpacking the mysteries of the rosary because the rosary is, is a model of prayer. Even if it's not for everybody, it's still a model of prayer. It's a model of the way we pray and the way we seek God. And most people, it's, it's a wonderful path of prayer. There are a few that, that is not their favorite, and that's okay, because a doctor of the church, St. Therese, had said it was difficult for her. And she asked the question, why can't I just pray to my mother? And so she didn't, she didn't, it wasn't her way, that way of meditation. But for a lot of us, it is. And we see then in that rosary, that different aspect. By coincidence, I've noticed often I preach after Father James does his rosary Sunday homily, but he also has the task of asking for support for those in our province studying the priesthood. So it's nice that over these years I've been able to maybe come back to the rosary for a second because all of the scriptures always speak and, 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 and articulate the rosary. Why? Because the rosary is a compendium of the gospel. Well, St. John Paul II and others had said that. More often, throughout history, people have called the rosary a school of contemplation. It's where we encounter the mysteries of God. Uh, Father James, last week, and mentioned just briefly, he was actually quoting the idea from uh, Garigou Lagrange, which is a famous 
Dominican theologian of the mid-20th century. And he says, what's wonderful about the rosary is that each week we go on a pilgrimage. We go on a journey with the Lord to the holy places and the mysteries of his life and that of his mother unpacked before us. And each week we go through this. Think of it. It's like a microcosm of the whole liturgical year. All of those things, the saving events that we celebrate, the birth of Christ, the coming of the Spirit, the crucifixion, resurrection, the assumption into heaven, all of these things are celebrated during the liturgical year. They're also prayed about in the Holy Rosary. The Rosary, this gospel-centered prayer, this gospel-inspired prayer, this summary of the whole gospels. And what's wonderful about the Rosary and we can also learn when we read scripture, is that we enter in. We enter into this mystery. We walk and we think, what is the Lord thinking? What is he doing? What is our Lord, lady thinking? Or we just come and come in ourselves in a humble way and stand in the corner and observe these events. We worship Christ in his crib. We're there at the foot of the cross. We are there looking to heaven when Christ leaves his disciples behind, promising he'll send the advocate. We are there. And the Lord rejoices in this. The Lord rejoices because we walk with him. We walk with him on the way of the passion. We enter into this mystery and we walk with Our Lady as she walks away from the cross and the tomb of her son. We're there. And what's wonderful about prayer, and this is what Paul's getting at, that when we walk with the Lord and his mother, they in turn walk with us. So in our own joys, and our own sorrows, and our own luminous or glorious moments, there's the Lord, there's his mother, and they're helping us. And most especially in those times of sorrows, but also the joys, there they are to help us, to give thanks to God even in the midst of trial, and to bring our anxiety and our concerns there, humbly seeking God, knowing not in vain, but that these here, again, even if the answer is not what we expect or not what we hope for. The rosary shows us that these mysteries are alive, not only in the past and true, but are alive to us now. In fact, that's what we do in the literature here. We're coming here and, and entering into these mysteries in a wonderful way. Now, one of the challenges we think, and we will tell ourselves that the rosary is just repetition. It's good it's repetitious. It's supposed to be repetitious. There's a wisdom here belonging to many ancient religions that we are complex. We're always thinking. Our mind's always going somewhere. But the repetition brings us back. Repetition answers the question we all struggle with, that we all struggle with is distraction in the rosary in prayer, at Mass. How many of you have already been distracted today? We get distracted, that's okay. We struggle with that, we know that. I think a lot of people think, oh, I, I don't do it well, I get distracted. Yes, <laughs> well, of course you're distracted. Even if you were praying, you're at rest, kind of. And so other thoughts will start to come up. That's okay. This is why there's a repetition. Not because we have to say a Hail Mary perfectly, but because we can come back to the mystery and refocus. There's an old custom in the divine office, which are, the rosary is actually structured after the divine office, with the glory be at the end, like we do at each psalm. And then we always say the glory be reminds us to come home, to recenter on what we're thinking about. It's that reminder, oh yeah, this is what I'm doing here. I'm not thinking about work or about shopping 
or about my sister. I'm thinking about the ro- I'm thinking about this. So distraction's okay. We just bring those things and wrap our concerns into the rosary itself, especially those deeper concerns. And so that, that repetition then becomes like a ladder, a ladder that's leading us up, that helps us, stepping stones to understand the mysteries of the Lord unfolding before us in the rosary. So St. Paul's guidance is laying out our petitions with praise and thanksgiving. It's a very human kind of thing that Paul says, and our prayer is very human. Sometimes, again, we want it to be perfect. We don't, we don't pray as perfectly as our Lord did when he's praying to his Father in secret. But we then try and understanding and be patient ourselves, giving it the time, giving it the attention that we can and that the Lord deserves. And again, doing so, casting all of our cares upon him and the world will then bring the kingdom of God into our hearts into the world, establishing in a new way peace. Our, the, the rosary is a chain. You know, it's practically speaking, it's the way you tie together the beads. Sometimes it's a rope, but it binds us. It connects us. It becomes like a bridge, a bridge to our Lord, a bridge to Our Lady. And we see here a profound mystery that I had said, that we walk with the, the Lord and Our Lady, and they walk with us. This companionship is wonderful. And we remember this, that we are together. There's a cliche we often say, you're never alone, right? Well, as Christians, we attest to that because we believe that's true. We are never alone. We could be in the middle of nowhere. We're not alone. For the Lord is with us. Not just as the friend with his arm around our shoulder, that too maybe, but within. The indwelling of the Trinity. Temple the Spirit. We are never alone. Because Our Lady is with us, our guardian angel, the saints. We're never alone because we are all together with one another. That's the power of prayer. The Lord says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. When two or three or more are literally gathered together, that's true, like now. One of the presences of Christ here, besides in their tabernacle and in the temples of the Holy Spirit here, is in our community of prayer. But we are bound together with all the people of the archdiocese, all the Catholics of the world when we pray the Mass. And the Rosary as well. That sort of prayer, when, when the members of the church pray and have in our hearts the intentions and needs of others, we're praying together and we're trying to ask the Lord of peace, to bring peace to our hearts. We see this especially in, in a Dominican confraternity. If you don't know, it's centered in Portland, in our province. The Rosary confraternity. This is the whole point, to pray the Rosary but to pray with the millions around the world who are praying it together and knowing that we're not alone. That's the great mystery we see of the rosary. And we see this is where the rosary was really established outside the order as a major devotion. Because there was a Dominican pope, Pope St. Pius V, and we see it on the wooden panel on the northern transept in the, in the uh, altar of Our Lady. This, this the time when Pope St. Uh, Pius V picture in the window in the back too, had called on Europe to say, pray for peace. Pray for peace. In the 16th century, pray for peace. And peace occurred. Europe was saved from great harm. All by the power of the rosary. All by that prayer. They credited their victory simply to that. To, if you will, the weapon of peace. And we see in our world today, there's great concern that we all have. We should. 
But let us not lose faith over it. Let us not be shaken by it. Let us rather pray to God in the rosary, in our mass, in all forms of prayer, and ask then that the Lord accompany us. And that's what he wants. When we accompany him in the mysteries of our salvation, he is with us always. And so we remember this, the words of St. Paul, this, this excellent advice. Do you have concerns, anxieties, fears? Of course. But come to the Lord. Seek his aid. Come to him with thanksgiving. Lay your petitions upon him and know you're heard. And know you're heard. We may have to struggle yet, but the Lord is with us. When we walk in his passion into the cross, he is with us in our passion and cross. And when we, when we walk with him in the resurrection, we have confidence that we might share in that resurrection as well. So let us then, through the rosary and all prayer, rediscover the presence of God and cast our anxieties upon him that we might know the gift of his peace.